This week on Geek Explained, for our Valentine's Day 2023 special, I'm reviewing the first season of Netflix's Wednesday with a very special guest, my fiance. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is a little bit different for us. It's a little something special. It's a very special episode for me because it is our Valentine's Day 2023 special, and it is the Geek Explained debut of my fiance Sammy. I wanted to have her on for uh, for this episode for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's Valentine's Day. Love is in the air, and so I wanted to have her on the podcast because it's her first time with the podcast. She's never been on before, uh, and I figured now is as good a time as any, and it's also our anniversary. So gave her carte blanche or whatever she wanted to talk about, and she wanted to review Wednesday. So we're going to be talking about the whole season, full spoilers, so strap in for that. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. So make sure you stay tuned after the jump for that. And also, you asked for it, so it is back. We are bringing back the weekly review as we review week by week the final season of The Flash. But for now, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I, alongside my very special guest, my fiance Sammy, dive into and review the first season of Wednesday. <laughs> All right, this is your Geek Explain Valentine's Day special for 2023. And uh, we're doing something a little different this time around because uh, this one this one is pretty special. You are getting a guest on the podcast who has not been on the podcast before. And uh, it's somebody who's very special to me and somebody who I've blabbed on about probably too much on the podcast many many times over the last few years that i've been doing this uh it is my fiance sammy hi hi it's me <laughs> i'm the problem it's me <laughs> so welcome to the podcast thanks for having me happy to have you uh for those of you who don't know sammy is my fiance we have been together uh by the time that you are hearing this we'll have been together for nine years nine whole uh, years long time mm-hmm. it's a long time to be together it is it's like a third of our lives it's oh my god it is a third of our lives <laughs> <sighs> time marches on time marches on it does not slow for anybody no we're old <laughs> <laughs> So um, I wanted to do something a little special here just because uh, we've been together for a long time. She's never been on the podcast. She has always uh, suffered 
through me recording the podcast, whether it was weird recording times, uh, kicking her out of our room so I could record. Uh, now I have trapped her in the studio uh, <laughs> in our separate uh, office room where we have the <laughs> recording set up, and she's very happy about <laughs> me not recording in the middle of our bedroom anymore. <laughs> but uh, i just wanted to do something do something special because valentine's day for uh for those of you who might not know uh also happens to be our anniversary so this is kind of a anniversary special slash valentine's day special um so i'm really excited to have you on here and i gave you carte blanche on what you want to talk about yeah, anything you want to a, talk about that's a lot of pressure <laughs> there's a lot of things <laughs> but what we settled on was a uh, a review of wednesday which we are a little late to the party on i think it i'm looking at the poster now it dropped uh right before thanksgiving <laughs> so Just a end, little late. end of november Our style <laughs> yeah Cl- classic classic for us <laughs> Um, we are now halfway through February, so that's three months, three months late. That's not too bad. That's, you know what, you're right, that's not bad. <laughs> we come to things pretty late usually, so we're, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing okay on know. this. But we just wrapped up watching Wednesday, and we just kind of wanted to, want to talk about it, because we had a lot of fun with it. We did. Um, mm-hmm. it's been all over the internet. Uh, apparently I am really oblivious, because I didn't know that there were viral things going oh, yeah, on with it. Oh yeah, that song is stuck in my head. I, and what's funny is like, because we're, we're going to be jumping around a lot. Uh, spoilers possibly as well, who knows. But, um. Definitely spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a there's an episode i think it's episode four yeah four so. or five something like that um where wednesday does like this dance and it's ridiculous and i did the research and apparently um jenna ortega choreographed it herself and it's everywhere and now that i've watched wednesday now i'm seeing it everywhere <laughs> And it's using this uh, this Lady Gaga song. Is that a Lady Gaga song? I, I looked it up. It's a Lady Gaga song. Well, it's stuck in my head. <laughs> but that's not the song that's used in the show. It's and not. I'm so confused why people are using the Lady Gaga song and not the actual song in the show. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Wednesday's been everywhere. Uh, it's, as the, uh, as the Wikipedia states, it is an American coming-of-age supernatural comedy horror streaming television series <laughs> based on the character Wednesday Addams by Charles Adams. Um, so the Adams family's been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I can remember very clearly as a kid watching the, uh, the Adams family cartoon. Uh, their crossover with Scooby Doo, because Scooby Doo crosses over mm-hmm. with everybody. It does, yeah. Scooby-Doo. And then also the uh, the live action films, mm-hmm. which were very fun. Yes. Um, and this is more of a, I I hazard to say it, it's a Riverdaleification of the <laughs> Adams family. I guess it's true. Where they take uh, teenage characters and put them through a murder mystery. It did that, feel very Scooby Doo sometimes. <laughs> it that's what it was, right? And so that's. That's what the show is mainly about. I'm going to read the synopsis for it real quick in case you, like us, are coming to Wednesday much later than than uh, than the rest of the world. But the synopsis goes like this. 
Wednesday Adams is expelled from her school after dumping live piranhas into the school's pool in retaliation for the boys' water 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 polar water team bullying her brother Pugsley. Consequently, her parents Gomez and Morticia Adams enroll her at their high school alma mater, Nevermore Academy, a private school for monstrous outcasts in the town of Jericho, Vermont. Wednesday's cold, emotionless personality and her defiant nature make it difficult for her to connect with her schoolmates and cause her to run afoul of the school's principal, Larissa Weems. However, she discovers she has inherited her mother's psychic abilities, which allow her to solve a local murder mystery. Dun, dun, dun. So that pretty that does a pretty good job, I think. Yeah. Selling what? Yeah, what's without going spoiling on here. it too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday basically goes to a much more, I think, acceptable version of Hogwarts, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's slash like let's talk about Scooby Doo, the Ghoul School. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love Scooby Doo and the Ghoul School. Like <laughs> that was my probably my favorite out no. of the out of the Scooby Doo. Was mo- it? Oh, of like the old. It wasn't Scooby-Doo Zombie movies. Island. No, I'm I'm not talking about like the the later on okay. movies, like the older ones that use right. like the older I like I really animation. Like, that, like the wacky race. One. Wacky racers. Yes. <laughs> Which one was that? I'm gonna look that up. Cause that one that one was really good. It was like. And the crowd rejoiced. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and the reluctant werewolf. Yes. Because mm-hmm. Shaggy gets turned to a werewolf. Mm-hmm. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, you like Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. I like Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. And there's there's elements of both. There's a Reluctant Werewolf in, in Wednesday as well. Was she reluctant or she just like... The see, werewolf was reluctant in her. That was it, see, that was interesting, right? Because there's a character named Enid who I think is... I think given enough time and maybe like a couple seasons could be as popular as Wednesday... She she has all of that very like TikTok generation. Yeah, I guess that she's made for more of the the younger crowd. The youths. <laughs> the, the youths. Y- we're we're thirty now, so we can say the youths. <laughs> um, but yeah, she is. Uh, her name is Enid, and she is played by Emma Myers, who I've never seen before. Me neither. Um, but she was a lot of fun. I. It it takes a little get, getting used to. With yeah, her. I think it comes off at first as a little fake. I mm. think it's a little, like, forced. Like, right. I'm happy all the time, and that is my character. Yeah. But uh, I think she kind of grows into it a little bit, or I just got used to it. It might be both, because I, I, <laughs> I think they do give her uh, they do give her more depth as the show goes on. Right. Especially in the episode with the, uh, with the parents, the parents weekend. Yes. When her mom, like, shows up <laughs> and is overbearing and then tries to send her to conversion... Yeah, that Camp. was like a weird, really like... weird. But <laughs> it was it was an interesting allegory too of trying to like make her more like her family. Yeah, and using like a queer allegory, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that. Yes, in this, mm-hmm. obviously with the coming of age story, there's going to be those kind of elements involved, and that's obviously going to be something that is addressed, mm-hmm. whether directly or indirectly. But I thought it was it was handled as about as well as it could have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess since we're already talking about it, let's let's kind of dig into this cast. Okay. So we talked about Enid already. Um, I'm gonna save Wednesday for the end. Okay. Because I think she's most well known character, obviously. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So some more of the uh, the students that she goes to uh, goes to Nevermore with. Um, let's talk about. 
Bianca Barclay. Okay. Bianca was the the queen bee, the queen bee, the mean the, girl, um, the Regina George, the Regina George, yep. Um, who also happens to be a siren. Yes. I really liked the the different, I guess, cliques that were made throughout. The school, you've got the sirens, the werewolves, the vampires. The gorgons. The gorgons. Of which I'm pretty sure there was only one. No, they served several. If you look in the background, there were a lot of people with the uh, the beanies. I, But they only focused on one of they, them. They did, yeah. It was at any of, given point, yeah, which is strange. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't... I see people might be wary of hanging out with people that could turn you into a stone. I guess that's true. But they... They did a good job, I think, establishing her... Mm-hmm. In the beginning, yeah. as kind of this like intellectual and physical rival for Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then they started to kind of build her out like everybody else across the show with mm-hmm. the introduction of her mom, yeah, and the fact that her mom was kind of a like a cultist, yeah. <laughs> like she broke out of a cult and like established a new identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. Like the cult aspect has always been interesting to me with fictional characters. Yeah. It is. It is interesting to kind of see people break away from it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think season two is probably going to have more of that, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think with her, it they kind of, like, really focused on her, and then she wasn't as useful as a, of a plot device. Yeah, because she and wasn't, then, like, an antagonistic yeah, force for Wednesday. Yeah, and then they kind of, like, that's kind of what shifted her character, I yeah. guess, a little bit. But, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they kind of forgot about her in the middle and then brought her back. They, they sure did. They <laughs> forgot about a few characters throughout. And you, we mentioned them already. Uh, Ajax, whose name is apparently Ajax Petropolis. Yes, they did say that. I, I believe you. But he was a Gorgon, mm-hmm. which is not a, a type of like... I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, but it's not a type of cryptid that you usually see in these kind of stories. Right. Because it's usually like universal horror monsters, your vampires, your Frankenstein, mm-hmm. so so on and so forth. Um, a Gorgon's really fun. Yeah, they kind of, I don't know. Yeah, they, uh, they Medusa'd. Yeah. They brought back Medusa. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. I will... I will say, because they, they establish that Ajax and Enid are going to be a thing, mm-hmm. like, pretty early on. Yeah. And then Ajax gets stoned. Not in that way. <laughs> um, he sees himself in the mirror with his snakes, which I guess petrifies. I guess them... If you're if the snakes look at you, then you get petrified, mm-hmm. I guess is the rule that they establish. Yeah. So he sees himself in the mirror accidentally, turns to stone. It's all temporary, though. Yeah. There's, there's no real Anytime you get petrified. Yeah, yeah, there's no real... Which is something <laughs> we're going to come back to. Um, but he gets stoned. He misses out on a date with Enid. And then just shows up. There's no explanation. Again, the next episode. Which was the dance episode. Which was the dance episode. And Enid ends up taking this kid... This the, mayor's nor- the, the mayor's son, this normie kid, who they have instant chemistry with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just, like, the actual actors or whatever, but I was like, I like them together. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have shared interests. It's interesting. I, it was kind of a, a quick turnaround, I guess. Because, yeah. like, in the episode before, the first episode, they kind of show the normie, the mayor's son, yeah. um, bullying Wednesday for right. being not a normie. Yeah. Um, and then, like, him and his friends have this prank set up, and then he was like, oh, wait, these 
it was just like a very quick maybe i like these people yeah. or something mm-hmm. yeah it was a very quick turnaround it is a very quick turnaround um and maybe that's kind of what they they attribute to a lot of the pacing in the show is odd yes right mm-hmm. it's that certain things feel incredibly drawn out mm-hmm. like we more or less we're starting to figure things out by like halfway through yeah um which is okay as long as you, like, make the journey to getting there for the characters, like, interesting. Mm-hmm. But there are other things where they just, like, blew on by. Yeah. Like, Enid and Ajax, they just, they're a thing, then they're not a thing. She's in a thing with somebody else, and then they're a thing again by the end of the next Well, episode. he took somebody else to the dance, too. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Because he missed out on their date, did not explain to her why, and then just brought someone else to the dance. <laughs> So not good, not good choices. Not good choices. Bad I mean, choices. and I've I've been a teenage boy. I've made dumb choices before, but it's like communication is key. It is, and I think it's 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 something that they definitely could have worked into the story. Mm-hmm. But I guess for expediency or for simplicity, they didn't. For yeah, I feel like reason. they could have drawn that out more. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a character who I think they they didn't really know what to do with. Which is Eugene. Yes. Oh, I love Eugene. Eugene. I didn't like Eugene. You didn't like Eugene. So Eugene is this kid who is in every single show like this. He is the nerdy kid who is in... He's a loner. He's an outcast among outcasts. And he runs the Hummers, which is this beekeeping club of which he is the only member. <laughs> Uh, Wednesday ends up joining the club more as, more out of necessity and for cover than really anything. But Eugene is this outcast character who I didn't like. And maybe it was just like his his writing. But he just, he was very stilted. That's fair. He's very awkward. And not in like a character choice way. <laughs> but... He does end up becoming, like, this driving force for Wednesday once he's attacked. Mm-hmm. And then is basically put into a coma for half the season. It's true. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we've got this funny character. We know he's going to be grading. So we're going to take him out for half the season <laughs> and then have him just show up again at the end. With key information. With key information. <laughs> as well as suddenly revealing what his ability was. Yes. Which I mm-hmm. feel like we should have known beforehand. Yes. Because there's, yeah. there's a moment where he when he wakes up and he's like, I'm going to go help Wednesday. And I literally said to the screen, how? <laughs> what are you going to do, Eugene? What are you going to do? What you are, are you going to accomplish You're a little bespectacled fellow. <laughs> I was once a little bespectacled fellow. And I, I wouldn't have been good in that situation. I wouldn't have been of any use. But uh, we end up finding out he has bee kinesis or something. <laughs> he can control bees, which makes sense for the club. Do you club. think it's limited to bees or if it's bugs in general? That could be something that they explore in the next season. Because mm-hmm. we know a season two is coming. Spoiler yes. alert. Yeah. I mean, they said, they said at the very end yeah. of the season. Season two. <laughs> season two is coming. Um, but yeah, he just, he controls a swarm of bees. It's unclear I think whether he kills the professor or not. Um, but either way, he's he's also a student there. Um, we also have a few other uh, students before we get into kind of the, the other two big ones. Um, there are... 
they're not listed on the Wikipedia, so we're just going to roll through, roll past them. Um, no, the, Xavier. Well, I was, I was going to get to him oh, last. Because oh. he, he, and, he and Tyler are kind of the two big ones. Yeah. I wanted to talk about oh, like, okay. the, the Nightshade kids. Oh. The vampire kids. <laughs> the, the, the siren kids. I think they were sirens. I don't know if they talked about vampires. Did they? They did. Oh. They talk, they're the ones that always wore the sunglasses. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're basically there for window dressing for most they, of the they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of... Uh, so there's that one siren kid. He's he, he's like he's their secret weapon during like the the games. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they have him like swimming in the river and like pushing people's canoes to when break. They, put the, they threw the net over him and he's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know how to deal with a net. Fred, speaking of Scooby Doo, Fred Jones would be proud. He loves nets. Um, but one of the most satisfying moments in that whole show is when Thing dives into the water and just. <laughs> punches him <laughs> just socks him on the jaw yeah. underwater and knocks this kid out and it was incredible thing is an mvp in this for real though thing has never been like a standout for me in the adams family stuff but thing was really fun in this yeah mm-hmm. props to the the hand actor absolutely props to the hand actor props to the effects i was uh impressed that they kind of used some asl in there yes mm-hmm. asl has been really prominent Mm-hmm. over the last like couple of years and mm-hmm. i really like that and it it has been continuing to be an itch at the back of my mind that i want to learn asl because mm-hmm. like it's it i think it started probably might have been hawkeye oh yeah might have been hawkeye there was something else that year that year like it wasn't like last year. i know i was like i think it was, it was last 2021 <laughs> um there's something else that also used ASL, but I, ca- I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but it's been showing up in a lot of media lately. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously a language that is used mm-hmm. by a large, uh, a large portion of the population. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something I'm interested in. But yeah, I loved how it was utilized, not just in his communication with Wednesday, but in his bromance with Enid. Yes. Mm -hmm. The two of them were bosom buddies. They were fast friends. And I kind of loved that. Yeah. I also love that Wednesday never introduced him to anybody, but like towards the end, everybody knew about him. Everyone just knows him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like he was he was sent there by Morticia and Gomez to spy on Wednesday. She mm-hmm. finds him almost immediately. Yes. And then he I guess he's just bad at stealth. Because yeah, <laughs> he like has you no said, stealth role. He has no stealth he has he has a negative modifier to his <laughs> stealth rolls. Uh twenty dexterity though. And he is he's just that lovable character. Mm-hmm. He's as lovable a character as like any like Disney pet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's kind of fulfills that role. And it's really fun to oh, here it's Victor Dorobantu plays thing. He has That's, a pretty hand. I'm just gonna he, say he it. It's a very well structured hand. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, does a great job. Really, really uh sells that character mm-hmm. throughout. Mm-hmm. And the the moment where we find him stabbed in the door. Oh my god. Heartbreaking. I thought they were gonna kill him. I was like that is that's too much. You've gone too far. <laughs> in a in a series full of deaths of many characters, <laughs> the death of the hand was gonna be too much. For it was us. gonna be too much. I was gonna walk out over the line. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I really liked really liked 
thing in this. And I mean, all of the Adams Family characters, I thought, were mostly well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, Fred Armisen, Uncle Fester, mm-hmm. comes in very late in the game. Is very. basically just there for episode six sure. or seven. Yep. He's there for one episode. Mm-hmm. And he's... It's interesting because I... I can't not compare him to Christopher Lloyd, sure. who played Thing mm-hmm. in the movies of my childhood. Thing? It's shit. <laughs> who played Fester in the movies of my childhood. Um, and they're very different, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Fester in, or the, the Lloyd Fester is much more, I don't want to say lovable, but he's, he's a little bit more like funny kooky. Mm-hmm. Whereas this fester is a little bit more like sociopath kooky. <laughs> I'm so kooky. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> this is not a drag race podcast. We can't talk about this. Um, <laughs> also, I don't remember fester having electrokinesis where he could just. Well, like they could have. I mean, did did Wednesday have visions? No, they absolutely. Did Patricia have these powers? <laughs> Maybe we never explored that, but. This is a this is a post MCU world where everybody has to have powers, mm-hmm. and Fester was fun. I think he's he's used well because he's only used in one episode. Yes, I think he could also have been pretty grating. Yes, mm-hmm. get, given more uh, given more appearances for sure. Mm-hmm, so I'm glad that he was used sparingly. Yeah, um, Pugsley is interesting. It's a uh, Isaac Odornez as Pugsley, mm-hmm. who does not really have any of the Pugsley-isms from right. those old movies, mm-hmm. where he's a little bit more... He's he's like Bart Simpson, if Bart Simpson was reserved as a person, where he gets up to a little bit of hijinks. He's always... He's like a battering ram for Wednesday, and he's like a test subject for a lot of the. Typically, are we talking? Huh? Are we talking typical Pugsley? Yes, okay, typical okay. Pugsley. Whereas this one is much more like, like a pug. <laughs> like he's a lost puppy he's a without little, Wednesday yeah. around. Mm-hmm. A lost puppy is a good way to describe him. And maybe it's you know something for him to grow into. Mm-hmm. But this Pugsley is is much more helpless. Yes. Which is unfortunate, and I get that. He doesn't really serve a narrative purpose in the in the season. I think he kind of does, though. I mean, besides him, besides Wednesday gaining revenge for him, that kicks off the events of it. I just I feel like well, I mean, she said it, the um, the beekeeper kid uh-huh. <laughs> reminds her of Pugly, so it kind of like I think he grounds her in a way, like kind of shows her more human side i guess i could see that but it's it's also he's like there, something she wants to protect he's only there for an episode or two as well mm-hmm. so like there's not he's more of a plot device for her yeah. than an actual character yeah mm-hmm. um but the parents however are utilized very differently mm-hmm. which i think is interesting I don't remember, and maybe it—I mean, it's been a while since I've seen those movies. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember Morticia and Wednesday having that kind of friction that they do in this show. No, I don't think they did. Uh, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And in a, I think a generation of media depicting generational trauma. Yeah. I think this is another in that fine line. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but Morticia, who is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. She hit all the same beats as, yeah. I don't remember who originally played Morticia. Angelica Houston? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm terrible with names. I know. Why but, you? <laughs> but you got that one right away. Um, but she hit all of those same beats without being like a carbon copy. Yeah. I liked that she had her own personality. She mm-hmm. had her own kind of fire at times. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you could tell that she she loved and appreciated Wednesday, even though they were never really on the same page. Yeah, until... she wanted to be on the same page. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us... To George Persia's Lurch, who I thought was fantastic. <laughs> he was great. Did all the Lurch I think things. You missed somebody there. Did I? Yeah. Who? Gomez. Ah, oh, damn it. We gotta talk about Gomez. All right, let's talk about Gomez. <laughs> let's do it. So Luis Guzman uh, plays Gomez Adams, and I remember when this casting was announced. A lot of people were like, "Ew, gross, Luis Guzman." Where is who is it? Ricardo Montalban. Now I'm going to look that up. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're See, good. Again, terrible with names. So I didn't know either. Um, no. Ricardo Montalban. Raul Julia, who played uh, who played Gomez in those movies. He's very, a, rom- a very romantic, romanticized version mm-hmm. of Gomez. Because the the character stayed the same. It's just the, the aesthetic, we'll say, yes. of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, well, they're obviously going aesthetic-wise for the the classic, like, comic strip and yeah. book and animated version of the character. Mm-hmm. The stout, cartoonish-looking version of Gomez. I want to give him a shot. <laughs> we watched the show, folks. <laughs> I did not like Luis Guzman you as Gomez. No. I just thought... And maybe it was because I was I was grading him against Julia mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of the animated version as well. He just felt so low energy. Right. Like, Gomez says these ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. These ridiculous, very romanticized, very Edgar Allan Poe, classical sounding things that if a normal person says this, it sounds insane. Right. But for Gomez, it sounds romantic. Mm-hmm. And it's in the way that he delivers it. Yeah. And it's the way that his devotion to Morticia is shown through that. It's a certain eccentric energy yeah. that he has. And I don't feel like Luis Guzman had that energy. He just felt very low energy the whole time. That's fair. What did you think? Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. Maybe his charisma... I don't know if he was at the same level as Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, maybe. who is? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So I think um, I think you're right about it didn't come natural to him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hope that if we get more of him in season two, we get to see him kind of come out of his shell. He felt reserved. He yeah. felt like he was holding back. Yeah. Um, I mentioned during, and maybe this is just because I am a basic bitch for The Mask of Zorro, it would have been nice <laughs> to have Antonio Banderas. Yeah. But again, it's it's more of that romanticized version of the character rather than like the original true to the spirit mm-hmm. of it. But then I brought up... Um... <laughs> uh, what was his name? He was an Ant-Man. 
Oh, Louis Guzman. Nope. Nope, that's exactly who <laughs> <laughs> That's who we were just talking about. I know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Oh, we're going to feel so dumb. Oh, me too. Oh, whoops. Ant-Man cast. If you're listening to this, you're probably telling me right now. Michael Pena. <laughs> I feel like Michael Pena could have given you that eccentric Yeah, I don't know if energy. they were worried about the age. I don't know how old Michael Pena is, but What's they had everybody that? kind of like in their 50s. Michael Pena is... <laughs> Hold for dramatic... 47! Okay. Okay, he could have worked. Either way. <laughs> Either way, I also would have accepted um, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Who basically played uh, played a very evil version of Gomez Adams in Sucker Punch, a movie that has no problems whatsoever. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I I applaud them trying to go more towards the the original vision of the character, mm-hmm. but I don't. I think I feel like he was miscast. Uh, one character I, w- I would love to see if they do a season two, Cousin It. Yes, it they did show... They hinted. Yeah, they showed the... Um, the portrait. The portrait, yeah, behind... Which was nice. It was a nice nod. Yeah. Because it's it's not an Adams Family show. Yeah. It's a Nevermore show where Wednesday's the star. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Nevermore, mm-hmm. I think we've, we've spent enough time not talking about him. Xavier. <laughs> oh, Xavier. Xavier is a is a character he is he is an edward cullen like character (laughs) where he is i feel like the casting breakdown was dark moody no charisma no charisma that's that's what the character calls for because it's not a character that you immediately unless you are 13 years old and really into twilight (laughs) I don't see what person would be like, Dreamboat. <laughs> like, he's a character who's like, he's the tortured artist. That's how they described him in the beginning. Up, yeah, who, bro- who broke up with Bianca. I do. I did like that backstory yeah, with Bianca, yeah, mm-hmm. where they were dating and he could never tell whether their relationship was real or whether she was manipulating him the mm-hmm. whole time, which I really like. I like yeah. those kind of stories. Anytime, like, telepathy or persuasion as a power is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we could have spent more time with that. I think we could have, too. Yeah, it was mentioned in, like, episode three. And, and then they don't, they don't talk about it again. Um, it was also... I would have liked the rekindling of Bianca and Xavier, them coming to grips with that. If for no other reason than the fact that the show, for some reason, loves teasing you with interracial romances and then takes them away (laughs) like i feel very awkward talking about this but i feel like it needs to be brought up yeah a little bit because this happens like twice in twice which is not a lot but it's weird (laughs) (laughs) if i if i had a nickel for every time they teased an interracial romance and then took it away from us i would have two nickels which isn't a lot but over the course of only eight episodes it's weird it's weird (laughs) Um, they do this with, with Bianca and Xavier, where it's momentarily teased that they might get back together mm-hmm. during the dance, and then they kind of do away with that mm-hmm. to put Bianca with whatever the mayor's kid's name is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thomas? I don't know what his name though. is. Um, mayor's son. Man. Mayor's son boy. 
<laughs> Mayor's son boy. William. Will is nope. that his nope. Nope. That's not him. Um, we'll never know. No, we just we'll we'll never never find out. Lucas. Uh, Lucas. 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 Sure. <laughs> Lucas. Just to put the two African American kids together. Mm-hmm. Like I feel weird about that in the same way that they were that they're like, oh, maybe Lucas and Enid will be a thing. Mm-hmm. And then they just like cut that yeah they did. and we've seen this in shows that i've noticed recently sex education was one mm-hmm. where they were like let's put the two prominent black characters together even though they had other prospects and really didn't interact as characters until they decided we're just gonna put them together mm-hmm. it's it just feels odd to yeah. me it feels forced mm-hmm. um and this happens a lot and i don't know if it if it is intentional right in a way but Either way, um, Xavier is a character who is kind of, I mean, he's a character built for a show like this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, he's the, he's, he's the, the loader, the dark, tortured soul who also has a weird, romantic, immediate attraction to Wednesday. But she has no interest in him until it is narratively important for her to have an interest in him. Yeah, I don't know. And also, the thing that kind of got me, too, about him was he was very forgiving of her. Like Everybody kind of was. Yeah. Wednesday, for most of this show, is very mean to everybody. Yeah. We'll talk about her in a second. But... Yeah, I feel like... He put up with a lot. Yeah, like, she would do something. He'd be like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? And she'd be like, uh... Nothing. <laughs> and then he'd be like, okay, that was rude. And then the next scene, he'd be like... Hey, what's up? <laughs> and you know what? I speaking from personal experience, uh, being in abusive relationships does that to you. Not saying that we are currently. I, was like, I, I need to make it very clear: <laughs> we're not currently in an abusive relationship. But I've had relationships in the past where it kind of warps your perspective on forgiveness, mm-hmm. where you're just used to forgiving people for their for any kind of slights against you because it becomes a trained behavior. And I think with how toxic it sounds like Xavier Bianca's relationship was, that could be an explanation for Mm -hmm. it. But Also, like, I mean, he kind of explained his father was kind of absent. Absolutely. Like, he didn't show up to um, Father's Day. I love love Parents' Day episodes (laughs) for school shows because (laughs) it always ends up spotlighting that one kid that you're just like, oh, no, his parents didn't show up. And it gives you, like, an arbitrary reason to, like, be on their side and sympathize with them. A little bit, but then you got parents like uh, Enid's parents. Who are... Okay, her mom. Because her, <laughs> her dad rules. Her dad was fine. Her, si- not... her silent mustache dad. His, her dad could have stood up for her more. He's got a mustache. <laughs> He's got a lot to handle. He's got a mustache and obviously, like, seven other kids, apparently. I know, apparently. Who only make... Even though they all wear uniforms and clearly go to the school... Yeah. <laughs> Only show up in that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. She, and Enid's like, yeah, I'm part of a pack, but I'm the only one who didn't turn. I'm like, the other kids didn't turn either. We didn't see nobody. <laughs> Ain't nobody here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting they decided to... They decided to take this character who they established very early on. This is his power. He paints things and they come alive until they are not. And then they spend most of the season being like, 
But is he also this monster hide thing? Is he the bad guy? Am I the drama? Am I the villain? <laughs> they they spend a lot of time with it to the point that it becomes heavy-handed. A little bit, yeah. And it's like... Like, we know he's not the bad guy. We know he's not the bad guy at this point. Yeah. You've... Especially when they do the fake-out, like, arrest. Okay, where yeah. They... <laughs> let's talk about I'm this. Sorry. No, let's talk about this. They put him in the full The chain. full, like, Hannibal Lecter, multiple chains. Like, oh they have, like, no proof. Also, they just took the word of Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> These adults. Along with the planted evidence that we that we saw. I'm still not clear if Wednesday planted the evidence. No, or was that was Tyler. Tyler. That was Tyler yeah, planted right, the right. evidence. Yeah, because yeah, they, they say that mm-hmm. Tyler planted them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Xavier's a character who, by the end of the show, I'm like... I don't need to see him again. <laughs> like, we've gone through the whole journey with him. Yeah. Again, okay, but like... And then he gets her a phone! That's what I'm saying! Like, he end. forgets her so often. Like, she is basically the one that got him arrested <laughs> for whoever knows how long. Ruined his life. Because time doesn't count here. To, they start They start the show <laughs> at the, like, halfway point of the semester. <laughs> By episode three, it's like their spring flame. <laughs> And then by episode by episode eight, they're like months have passed. <laughs> but at the same time, they're like, "Well, the semester's canceled." And I'm like, "How much of the semester was left? How much time left did we have in this?" I know. And then they would sh- like switch from day to, to nighttime. Like... Oh, just the shifting time scale. <laughs> it and would you just can be dark. <laughs> if you really want to, you could be like, "Well, that's just how supernatural things work in that town of Jericho." <laughs> but no, it's weird editing. And again, it, it speaks to that weird pacing, mm-hmm. where it's like things need to be you know it needs to be a certain time of day so we're just going to accelerate the plot even yeah. though a character starts <laughs> this is the most egregious when <laughs> when Wednesday climbs into the mayor's SUV and it's bright ass daylight it's, it's like noon straight daylight. they drive from the house from the uh the gates manor to the what was it called uh, the weather vane the weather vane thank you uh, very cool name for a coffee shop, yeah. by the way. The Weather Vane. And all of a sudden, it's the dead of night. Like, so When dark. he pulls up. Like, how long were they driving? <laughs> They're in a town. <laughs> like, I get it might be the outskirts of town, but it shouldn't take you eight hours. Especially when it's, like, a town with, like, one main street. And maybe six cars. Yeah. <laughs> the entire town. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, yeah. Just, they accelerate, they play fast and loose with time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, like you said, Xavier was locked up for an indeterminate amount of time. And yet he's just like, hey, here's an iPhone. (laughs) Text me. Text me. (laughs) And like, it's, it's, it's unclear Mm -hmm. what his role is supposed to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. he was the, the, the. Second male lead. I guess. He was for for those of you who know uh, for no heroes. He was the Isaac Mendez of the show. For those of you who don't know heroes, Me. Isaac Mendez. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac Mendez was a character in the show Heroes who could basically paint the future. He was mm. a famous comic book artist. I kind of vaguely remember this. Yes, from my childhood. <laughs> from everyone's childhood, because Heroes is untouchable. Oh. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, but he basically, like, he has dreams and then Xavier paints them. Uh, predicts the appearance of the beast. You know, depicts uh, Wednesday while she's playing her cello. The deaths of certain characters. And so now, like, I get that they're probably going to use him. I would not be shocked if they start season two, he gets murdered. And the season is about who murdered him because he was the only person who could have figured it out. Maybe. Because they, they tease it at the end like somebody else now has her phone number out mm-hmm. of this phone that only he <laughs> should know. I don't know. Either way. Uh-huh. Xavier was an interesting character and he provided one of two romantic, uh, potential romantic partners for Wednesday. The other being Tyler. Oh, Tyler. Oh, Tyler. I want to ask you this, because I feel like Tyler became a much less interesting character once it was revealed that he was a villain. Agreed. Because I liked the idea that he was this kid who was neglected by his father. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of issues due to the death, disappearance of his mother. It's very unclear. And Yeah, very vague. And no one, and no one talks and about no it. And no one is willing to, to enlighten us on what happened. Mm-mm. But... He, for whatever reason, like he knows everybody in town because he's the local barista. Mm-hmm. Apparently he's the only one who works there. Yeah. Because we see like maybe one or two other baristas sporadically and it's never the same two. No. Um, but he knows everybody in town, knows everybody's orders. Uh, and it was kind of nice that he was just kind of, he was a normie. Yeah. He just kind of got Wednesday. Yeah. Like the, the scene where he brings her to a picnic yeah. In the crypt. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. And he was like, I'm going to show you a horror movie. And it's Legally Blonde. <laughs> which is, in Wednesday terms, a horror movie. Yeah. It's incredibly smart. Yeah. Um, very, just really clever writing in a show that sometimes is not very clever. <laughs> and when they just reveal like, oh no, but he was a bad guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. It recontextualizes everything that he's done up to that point in not a flattering way yeah because it, it, the more i think about it like the less i'm like well i'm like is he was any of it genuine right and the did less he, any of it makes sense yeah mm-hmm. it's like did he kiss her because he likes her or did he kiss her because he was told to yeah because he seemed genuinely shocked when she had the vision, mm-hmm. even though they've established at this point <laughs> she has visions <laughs> yes he's like wait what's wrong and it's like bro you know what's wrong the jig is up you were there at her birthday party question mark (laughs) like you were there when he wasn't there at the birthday party but he knew about it yeah yeah he made the cake and i mean by the time that by the time that she binds him and is about to torture him like he knows what's going on um and then he becomes this kind of like calling back to a reluctant reluctant werewolf. He becomes this like dastardly this dick dastardly mustache twirling evil character by the end where he's like, How does it feel to lose? Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. We went there. God damn it. <laughs> and he just becomes a he becomes you just a minion. Yeah. Which sucks, and I think they could have really taken the opportunity to be like, if there was a separation between him and 
the hide. Mm-hmm. And by the end, he is emotionally or mentally manipulated into becoming that antagonist. Much more interesting than him just being evil from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I've, I've problems with it. And obviously, he's going to show up in season two because they have that teaser of him yeah. right at the end, mm-hmm. hulking out. Ugh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Sammy hated that hide model. Hated the, hated the thing. And it is gross. And it is really unsettling to look at. I think it's the large bulging eyes yeah, and the gaunt cheeks. I can't handle weird eyes. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't do it. That's true. And a lot of stuff, that always puts you off. Yeah, like, and that was all it was. Just eyeballs. Giant eyeballs. This very uh, Wendigo-looking character. Yeah, very um, And, I mean, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And they used it to great effect for jump scares. Yes. But, um, yeah, I just, I think it would have been a lot more interesting mm-hmm. if it, if it had been a situation where he was turned, where he was Anakin Skywalkered into it, yeah, rather than him being Palpatine the whole time, yeah, manipulating mm-hmm. things. Um, so let's we've talked about the rest of the cast. Let's talk about Jenna Ortega as Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Great. I thought she was. I mean, not since Christina Ritchie herself. <laughs> Has there been a more perfect distillation of that Wednesday Adams character? Mm-hmm. From the moment that she steps out in the first episode in classic Wednesday costume, mm-hmm. all the way through to the end, I loved how she. They do a really good job at establishing her as like a static character. Yeah. Like she is not meant to have character growth. People are supposed to basically change and evolve around her. Mm hmm. And then eventually she starts to get this character arc of learning to trust people, learning to rely on people, Mm -hmm. and learning to be trusted and relied upon. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy that period where her and Enid are kind of on the outs. Yeah. Because Enid gets to call out all of the really negative and toxic bullshit that Wednesday's been doing this whole time. Yeah. Wednesday does come up as a little, I mean, very aggressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And very... I mean, they mentioned it too. Like, she's very single-minded. Yes. Um, which is which great is in a protagonist, also, not great in a friend. Yeah, very off-putting, I think, sometimes. Yes. Um, the way she would come at people and be like, well, you're this, you're this. Like, she's very, again, black and white. Yeah. This, this is she. She's a Batman character mm-hmm. where it's her way or the highway. Yeah. Everyone is an inconvenience to her. Yes. And that, you, you have to walk a very fine line with characters like that Mm -hmm. because they can come off being incredibly unlikable. Yeah. And there are moments throughout the show where Wednesday is very unlikable. Yes. And you side with the people that are antagonizing her. Yeah. Or being antagonized by her. Yeah. Um, But I think they do a good job by the end of showing... Because there's... And I could already tell by the end of the first episode and I'm sure that there's arguments out there and I'm not going to waste my time looking for it of oh she's a Mary Sue because she can do things really well and she has no flaws but what I liked about her is that she was wrong yeah a lot a lot and she was shown to be fallible she was shown to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and when people would uh would confront her about the things that she was doing there was usually no defense from her nope. she'd just be like well that's how i am and she'd walk away yeah. or she'd disengage because she's not used to 
working with people. Yeah. And so I I really liked her growth mm-hmm. as a character. And I think Jenna Ortega does a really good job of walking that fine line. Yeah. And that's why, like, I liked her relationship with Tyler because of that. Like, Right. Like, he was able to work with her weird quirks and, like, see them for the most part. Like, sometimes they had some communication issues, but who doesn't? Right. Um, so We've never had communication issues ever. Not even once. Not even once. <laughs> Um, but I think that's what kind of bums me out about, like, how they ended the, her relationship, I guess, or his character. Yeah, because again, it's like, it it seemed like the one person who she had really great chemistry with, um, both just as characters and as actors, Mm -hmm. um, ends up again being this manipulative, gaslighting character. Mm -hmm. Um, also, 100% props on the show for actually uh, having Wednesday say the word gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. You've done nothing but gaslight me this whole time. Fucking loved it. <laughs> um, and speaking of the person gaslighting her, Principal Weems. Yes. Really, really good. I don't think I've ever seen something where... Um, who is who is that actress? Gwendolyn Christie? Gwendolyn Christie. I don't think I've ever seen her be bad in anything. Yeah, same. And she was fantastic in this. Yes. I wish we'd gotten more time with her. Yes. Like, I think this episode, and they do it a little bit during the uh, during the parent, the parent trap episode, uh, but I would have loved a flashback episode. Yeah. Where we got to actually spend time with Gomez, Morticia, and Weems. Yeah. And the rest of, like, the people who were around at that time. Mm-hmm. I think that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, especially because they hinted at her having a like Thing feeling for Gomez. for Gomez. So it's like kind of uh, unfortunate they didn't look into that more. Plus, I also again I liked the past Gomez more than I liked the current <laughs> Gomez. I just I I think that cast also the flashback cast was really good. I don't characters. know if I loved Morticia. We didn't get a lot of time. Yeah. With her. Uh, but yeah, it's. It's interesting to me that they decided to kill her at the mm. end of the episode or the end of the season. Yeah, but then they didn't really give her a funeral. No, they gave the mayor that, a funeral. That's, that's what I was saying. Remember, I was uh, at the end of this. I was like, I okay, mean, they just kind of that, that, that's it. <laughs> she just dies. There's no. All right. I feel like she was she was a bigger character than the mayor was, and we got a whole funeral start to the episode for the mayor when he died. Yeah. Either way. Um, and then, uh, let's talk... Uh, Dr. Kimbot, who did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. And was killed for it. Yes. The therapist, um, I did... I really liked her kind of tete-a-tetes with Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Her bordering on toxic positivity. Yes. Um, mixed with Wednesday's bordering on po- toxic negativity. Yeah. Um, they were fun. I think they had really good chemistry yeah in their in their scenes with each other Mm -hmm. yeah i think uh they played well off each other Mm -hmm. like she was able to get something out of wednesday yeah and kind of like you could see her growth through the seasons through her sessions um and they did a great job at making her a red herring yeah too Mm -hmm. because we were convinced for most of that season like she's something she's something she's something in this Mm -hmm. and wednesday comes to that to that uh 
that conclusion as well. And unfortunately... She conveniently dies in the next scene. The very next scene? <laughs> yes. Uh, leading to the reveal of the machinations of Christina Ritchie herself. Yes. Which makes this season Wednesday versus Wednesday. Mm. The Wednesday Wars into the Wednesdayverse. Across the Wednesdayverse. War of Infinite Wednesdays. Are you done? Wednesday Endgame. <laughs> um, no, I I thought it was I thought it was interesting that they cast her not only in the show mm -hmm. as kind of like a hey, you know this, I know this, let's have her here, yeah. but also having her be the big bad yeah. of the season. Because mm -hmm. she was great. She she played a very to to make another. Uh, um, to make another, I guess, uh, allegory to that wizarding franchise, she was a uh, Professor Trelawney, the kooky, yeah. kind of off the beaten path okay. teacher. Yes, I have. How did she get hired? Did they not do a background check? Did they? <laughs> did she steal somebody's social security number? Like you need a lot of things to get a job. She's rich. <laughs> <laughs> You can get away with a lot of stuff when you're white and rich. I guess. Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> Laurel. We, f we found that out every single time that Tyler got in trouble and faced absolutely no consequences. No consequences. Or any time Xavier got in trouble and Wednesday, faced little to no consequences. Wednesday got in trouble with little to no consequences. Yes, but that's also because she's the main character. <laughs> And when you're a main character, consequences come very far and few you know in between. You know what I did find interesting about Wednesday's character is her relationship with the sheriff. Yes! I I actually really liked their chemistry in their scenes. Because mm -hmm. they both, they immediately get into out, out, the, out the gate. I don't like <laughs> you. You don't like me. We are going to begrudgingly have scenes together yeah. where we are constantly belittling each yeah. other. Mm -hmm. it was very cool yeah. to have that especially with that age difference mm -hmm. but treating each other as peers in conversation yeah. I thought mm -hmm. it was really really nicely done yeah I don't know <laughs> also I mean the the sheriff was he did he was another allusion to a character who is the best character in that Twilight franchise Charlie? Bella's dad Charlie? who the only good character the only character who literally did no nothing wrong in that franchise, Charlie Swan. <laughs> Chuck, my boy. Your boy. The mustachioed Avenger. He is the best character in that. You I do love a man with a mustache. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. They just they're the dad. The the dad character, <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. I mean, maybe it's a sign of a good character. I don't know. Maybe mustache. I mean, you did you did also enjoy uh, the new Top Gun movie. I love that. I fucking love that Top Gun movie. That's that's true because Miles Teller is a garbage human being, but you throw a mustache on him and I'm invested. I'm so I'm telling you. It's yeah. I should no. grow a mustache. I, I love that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Next I only you... I only say that because every time I grow a mustache, you become immediately repulsed. As long as you have a beard around it, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> she. Listeners, I I currently, as we were recording this, I have a full beard, and she has no problem <laughs> kissing me. But the moment <laughs> that I have just a mustache, it's so weird. She cannot come within three feet of me. She's repulsed. 
physically, just I see like the opposite <gasps> magnets. You yeah. know, like it's <laughs> or same so I so I guess magnet. maybe I'm vicariously living through the mustachioed fictional characters yeah. mm-hmm. who are you loved like for Oliver who they Queen are. Too. Oliver Queen, yeah. For mm-hmm. they they are living the life that I could only do. <laughs> I'm living vicariously through I'm them. Sorry, I'm who are loved for who they are, I, <laughs> not what they wear Fine, on their I'll face. Just, I'll just leave. <laughs> All right, so I guess the rest of this is me. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I thought they were they were a lot of fun, and again, that was I think a an opportunity with his dad mm-hmm. because that relationship never resolved. No, good. It was you could tell he loved his son because like at the end, I guess at the end he was like. But also, they established that he knew that. His Tyler's mom was a hide. And he just, like, He got physical it. descriptions of what this thing is. His son happened to be around every time, and he's like... What is this No, monster? there's no possible. What, no- what is this monster? Who is he? And I'd be interested on a rewatch if it's apparent whether or not he's hiding it or not. Yes, if he's whether trying he to protect knows. his son. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, even... I don't know. It seems like... They could have done more with the sheriff, what his like, dead missing wife, perhaps relationship. We don't I know. think like they could have like explored that a little bit more. Maybe in a flashback episode. Yeah, because like it just seemed like um, very, like you don't. Uh, I don't know. I lost my words. <laughs> no, but but they you get all of that secondhand. Yeah. You get that basically that whole relationship secondhand. And then there was like that just one weird scene where he's like, "I loved her more than I could, whatever." Yeah, it's like it's like more than you know or whatever. Yeah. And he just walks out, and it's like, "Are we gonna talk about it? no? <laughs> okay, okay, all right, <laughs> cool, good talk, great, great scene." <laughs> um, but yeah, I I thought that the the cast overall I thought was good. I think the I'm sorry, right. One more thing about the sheriff. No, please. It, it cracked me up how he was like, "Wednesday, you can never talk to my son again. You are forbidden." Just, and then, and like, then immediately sees them on their romantic night, and he's just like, "Okay." I I never saw you here, and he just leaves. And it's like again, it's like no consequences. Yeah, yeah. no consequences, no consequences, no consequences whatsoever. Just like, okay, <laughs> okay, that's it. Yeah, it's uh, it's baffling at times mm-hmm. when just the logic that is set up in one scene or one episode or even in the same scene just doesn't have any bearing on anything yeah mm-hmm. but i think overall the show the show's a lot of fun yeah you get fun. a lot of time with it um i also i didn't realize this until we were halfway through the season but all the episode titles uh had the word woe in them i think it was it was uh you reap what you woe. Because I remember I remember reading the the title of the episode, Woe, What a Night. And I was like, oh, that's funny. It's a dance. And then it went, you reap what you woe. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, they have woe in every episode. <laughs> yeah. And Sam, or they repeated woe. And she was like, that's been every episode so far. <laughs> what was the one that you're, oh, yeah, quid pro. You're. You missed oh, yeah, one episode. The quid pro quo. So I think it was in episode seven. There's a moment where they talk about a quid pro quo. They say that. And I was like, oh, man, they really missed out on calling one of these episodes quid pro quo. <laughs> and 
Sammy looks at me and she goes, that was the episode of, that was the name of last episode. <laughs> so apparently I just don't pay attention to these things. Um, it's because I'm nosy and I want to see if it gives me anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sammy is notoriously, is notorious for spoiling things. Yes. Because she has to know things immediately. I do. I need instinct. Instant knowledge. Like, we'll be watching something, and she'll have a question, and she'll be like, I'm gonna look it up. I'm like, no, we're in the middle. You might get the answer by the end of this. What? It's, it's, uh, as someone who, listener, you are very well acquainted with how adverse I am to spoilers of any kind for things. We just have different philosophies, We have very different philosophies. Just let me read my spoilers. (laughs) I don't need your judgment. Opposites attract, as we've, (laughs) as we've established here. Um... But yeah, we so we had the episodes uh, all having the woe uh, theme throughout all of them. Did you have a favorite episode? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I forget what happens in all of them. <laughs> so Wednesday's Child is Full of Woe, obviously the intro. We learn about everything. Yeah, not my uh, Rowan. Forgot about Rowan. He's a nothing character, essentially. Um, Woe is the loneliest number is the response to everything. Oh, it's... Uh, Woe is the loneliest number is the... It's the competition. That right? one was fun. That one was fun. Uh, wait, no. No, it's not that one. Woe is the loneliest number is a lot of uh, exposition. The, the, the cover-up of the Rowan murder... Oh. Friender Woe is the ceremony. Oh, uh, Friender Woe is when they when she goes to Pilgrim World, oh, okay. which is hilarious as a concept. <laughs> it is, yeah. Especially because we come from Tucson, Arizona, where there is a <laughs> there is a old west. Old West immersive experience called Old Tucson, which is basically this like little town, little town uh, where it's, you know, you've got cowboys walking around. It's where the Old West comes alive. And it's exactly Pilgrim World. <laughs> like, if you are Just from a little Tucson. Less problematic. Maybe? And which one? Let's be honest. The Old West was not a great time for all people. But if you are from if you are from Tucson, Arizona, or you have mm-hmm. passed through Tucson, Arizona, tell me Pilgrim World is not old Tucson. Um, but Whoa, what a night is the uh, is the dance. Um, you reap what you woe is the parent. Mm-hmm. So I guess I think episode two was the was the uh, was the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh the, yeah, 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 yeah yeah. So two was the tournament. Uh, three was the Pilgrim World. Whoa, what a night was the dance. You reap what you woe is parents weekend. Mm -hmm. Quid pro woe. (laughs) Um, that's the death of the mayor. Also, just the hit and run. (laughs) Hilarious scene. Because the car hits the, hits the principal, speeds off, and then hits a very sharp left turn (laughs) and immediately slows down. To the point where people could absolutely catch up to it. Also, see who's driving. But I just that's that that all comes down to set design, which is it's it's unfortunate. Um, if you don't woe me by now, 
is episode seven. It's the funeral and also the um, the date. Uh, the, the date. Mm-hmm. And then she, when she figures out Tyler is the, the hide, the murder of woes is the season finale. Yes. Um, probably the dance or the second episode were my favorites. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I liked both of those. I liked the dance for the ratcheting of the tension. Yes. With the normie prank, mm-hmm. as well as Eugene getting absolutely bodied by the hide. Yes. Um, tension was really good there. Mm-hmm. So those would probably be my favorite episodes, too. And I think, honestly, the first episode. I like world building. Oh, yeah. You I do. like world building you and You do lore. love some disposition. I do. I do. And uh, episode one is full of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much uh, all I've got. Do you have any final thoughts on the show? Um, Anything we haven't talked about? Yeah, Goody. Goody! And the whole uh, main villain guy. Oh, yeah, the fucking, the, 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 what's his name? Yeah, the founder dude. The founder dude. Um, what is his name? Crackstone. Crackstone. Joseph Crackstone. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was, sure. Yeah, it was there. We have to have some, I mean, obviously they're talking about, like, old, olden times with supernatural stuff. There's gotta be witch hunt stuff. And yep. pilgrims. Because pilgrim world. Pilgrim world. I just... I can't. <laughs> um, yeah, Goody Adams uh, had a real... Had a hilarious accent. Oh, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they were trying to do because no one else had that accent. Yes. In those flashbacks. Yes. Um, it also... I think they did a great job in the makeup department on making Jenna Ortega look younger and incredibly like gaunt yeah. more gaunt mm-hmm. than she is as wednesday yeah really good stuff on the mm-hmm. makeup team yeah agreed um but yeah that joseph crackstone <laughs> that that halloween town yes bullshit that yep. happens near the end there yeah like there is a moment where he walks in he's by himself he's got his little like mystical <laughs> magical staff and i'm like on paper <laughs> he is one dude one dude Yes, with a lot of power with his uh, with his staff, obviously. Yes. But he is one dude against an entire school of super-powered people. Yes. He could not possibly get them all. <laughs> they would have been able to easily... Two kids took him down very easily. Three. Not three. <laughs> Xavier, if anything, helped Crackstone more than... <laughs> Wednesday in that final battle. He showed up. He had no... No plan. <laughs> Eugene had more of a use in that final episode than Xavier did. He ran up. He's like, I'm on the archery team. He shoots an arrow. Crackstone immediately stops it, turns it around, and shoots it into Wednesday's shoulder. <laughs> to which, if I was Wednesday, I would have been like, the fuck? <laughs> to Xavier. Also, like, he has, like, this, like cool like drawing ability right draw some creatures make some like diversions i think it would have been really cool he had all those drawings of the hide summon up those to attack yeah you know whatever but i guess he can't control them if he like scratched him yeah whatever um but also we forgot to mention the kaiju fight between enid and the hide oh yeah Mm mm-hmm 
really cool. Really cool. Really cool moment for Enid. I love that they took the time to, you know, give her that, give her that, uh, that wolf out moment in the finale. And mm-hmm. then she gets to kick the ever loving shit out of Tyler. Choice. <laughs> Especially after he became a villain who became completely unsympathetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real nice. Real nice stuff. Top notch. Chef's kiss. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was two kids yeah. took out Joseph Crackstone. Bianca and Bianca Wednesday. and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And the, that okay, whole school could have taken them. My favorite. My favorite part was where Crackstone was like, "Get out of here! You're annoying me." To Laurel, uh, yeah. and then she just like walks Wa- back. walks off, and I have to assume just wanders the halls for a little bit, and then comes back yeah. with a gun. With a gun. <laughs> She's got a gun. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, that last episode was a little messy. A little messy. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, we only have eight episodes. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, any, any final thoughts on the show? Um, I think it's definitely a fun watch. For sure. Um, maybe not the most, like, uh, uh, thought-provoking. Coherent. <laughs> um, but definitely fun. Would recommend. Yeah, I would too. It's a lot of fun. It's. It's a show where you, at times, kind of have to turn your brain off to yeah. enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But can't think about it too much. How big is that cannot town? Cannot think about it. How big is that town? How big is the town? How far away are things? I'm just... How does everyone have a coffee budget? <laughs> well, they're all rich going to a prep school. You're, uh, you're, not everybody in that town is, though. Because they're normies. Not all normies don't go. Maybe they get a discount. You, you get the freak discount? <laughs> no, the not freak discount. You're not a freak That's discount. incredibly... That's... That is a little... Uh, uh, what? Discriminatory? That whole town is discriminatory. Yeah, you're right. Pilgrim World. Pilgrim World. Pilgrim World. <laughs> Are you telling me that I am wrong? <laughs> no, I, I I think it's it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely glad we watched it. I'm kind of sad that we took so long to watch yeah. it because we ended mm-hmm. up really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, how how I want to see uh, <laughs> how how many uh, <laughs> I just say it. How many arrows to the shoulder out of five would you give? Would you give Wednesday? Do I ha- I have to take the the shoulder? No 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 like. On a rating scale, mm-hmm. how many arrows to Wednesday's shoulder from Xavier out of five would you give this? I don't understand if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's it's a normal rating scale. I'm I'm using is the, five, five. Five is great. Terrible. Five is great. Why would you want five arrows in you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm gonna recontextualize this. I'm going to reword this, okay? Uh, Wednesday and also Adam's family are known for their <laughs> snaps, okay? How many snaps out of five would you give the show if you're rating it on enjoyment? Like, five snaps being great, one snap being god-awful. Like, a solid, like, four snaps, I think. Four snaps? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was three. No, that was four. One, two, three. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think I'd probably... Like three and a half? I'd probably go three and a half. I'll round up. I'll round up to four. So that's that's four snaps from me, four snaps from you. Mm-hmm. So I will I will do the... <laughs> that's only three. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I definitely would recommend watching. We had a really fun time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thanks for as we're wrapping up here. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We like I said, we I've I've been wanting to have you come on for a while, but I figured. I mean, anniversary's coming up. It's Valentine's Day. So. <laughs> All right, Eugene. Um, I, I I just wanted to have you come on. I'm glad you glad you said yes. Yes. It was a good time. Yes. So that is it for, uh, for this. And uh, I guess until next time. man alive when i was a child i saw my mother killed by something impossible my father went to prison for her murder then an accident made me the impossible to the outside world i'm an ordinary forensic scientist but secretly i use my speed to fight crime and find others like me and one day i'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father i am the flash Hello, old friend. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly, and this is the first weekly review we've done in Volume 5. And I think it's probably going to be the only one we do in Volume 5 because we are covering the final season of The Flash. This has been a long time coming. Uh, The Flash has been, I think, viewership-wise and some would say quality-wise on a bit of a downturn for a while now. But uh, The Flash cannot it cannot be argued that the flash is important when it comes to dc's multimedia structure right the flash has been this juggernaut for a while for nine years this show has been on the air and after it was a spinoff of arrow which was the kind of the flagship for dc tv and for the cw arrowverse uh the flash really became that stalwart uh veteran show it was the flagship it was the franchise and unfortunately we're seeing now that it's over once the flash wraps up that is it for the arrowverse every other uh show that has been connected to the arrowverse has gone the way of the dinosaurs it's gone the only exception at this point and it's not even i don't even know how much you can, of an exception you can call it is superman and lois because it is very distinctly both in Uh, production value as well as its own narrative and continuity apart from the Arrowverse. It doesn't take place with any Earth-1, Earth-Prime stuff that's happening in The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, all that stuff. And the rest of the shows are gone. Uh, It's basically just The Flash now. And The Flash is doing its one last run, one last season, wrapping up the whole show and an entire universe of TV with this season and it's bittersweet right you know i remember when the flash was kind of at its peak in that you know first three seasons area and it was the best thing on television i was glued to it every single week um 
it ended up spawning and eventually evolved into the landmark achievement for superhero television crisis on infinite earths you can say whatever you want about whether you liked the adaptation or not but that's a big freaking deal taking this multiverse concept which we're all waist deep in now and making it really i think the first big crossover when it comes to live action properties this was a big deal and the flash has been kind of the spearhead for that and now that we're looking at its final season it is a little bittersweet to think that this is it for the flash but to celebrate the end of the show to celebrate the final run of this season i'm not sure how many episodes there are i'm gonna look it up as i'm going through this um it's kind of it's exciting and i wanted to do this weekly review series for the final season because it was such a big deal and it has been for a very long time for for a whole generation of people grant gustin is the flash and that's indisputable uh i'm i'm really excited to dig into this i'm really excited to you know watch this week to week and then to share my thoughts with it share my thoughts on it with you all here uh we've been doing a weekly review series you know pretty much every single year since the podcast began and um i took some time away from it as we kind of restructured the podcast and its sequences but i wanted to bring it back because it is a fan favorite segment it is because uh people have been asking about it and because i ran a poll on twitter which is the uh, most democratic thing you can do at this point for now uh, which is hilarious, but I ran a poll on whether I should do this, whether I should bring back the weekly review for the final season of The Flash, and uh, I put yes, no, and then a secret third option, which kicked off the the intro, uh, the intro to the series that used to be at the start of every single episode. My name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. Um, and secret, secret, that was the uh, the option that won, but it was also a yes option. So there were two yeses, one no. I stacked the deck. It is what it is. But I'm really excited to dig into this because this season is promising a lot. It's promising a, uh, a nice bow tying for the entire show and the entire Arrowverse. Uh, it's promising the return of certain characters and it's promising a big season-long villain that we have been waiting to see. So let's go ahead and dive into this first episode, episode number one of season nine. I'm looking at this right now, and it looks like there is going to be 13 episodes. So 13 weeks from now, or I guess I'm, I'm going to basically be doing these uh, week after because the show comes out on Wednesdays and my show comes out on Wednesdays. So we're going to be reviewing last week's episode and then we will just continue on for the next 13 weeks. So the first episode is entitled Wednesday Ever After. And this is a classic um, time loop episode we've had these before in the flash but this one is interesting in the fact that both barry and iris were uh were both brought into this it wasn't just barry it wasn't just our time traveling characters it was barry and iris and so it's a great little gag february 1st um every single morning they wake up it's 
February 1st, and they have to go through their day. And it's really nice just kind of getting back into the swing of things with this crew. Uh, the crew has changed a lot. No Cisco. Cisco is off doing his own thing. Kate, uh, Killer Frost died last season, and Caitlin gave up her autonomy. We're going to talk about that in a second to try and bring her back. Um, but through it all, Barry, Iris, and Joe have been kind of our rock our trio that has stuck around from the first episode all the way till now. And it was interesting. You know, you, you get back into the swing of things. Um, the Flash has gotten to do its rhythm. It knows exactly the story it's trying to tell. It knows the, the um, what's it called? The, the system that they've established, the, uh, the tone of everything. They know what they're doing. And this is more of what we came to uh came to know in the later seasons you know i think everyone can agree that season eight was a large improvement over season seven and probably season six and so i'm glad that we're getting a big uptick again um but it was really nice it still showed that it was part of its own interconnected universe talking about sue dearborn sue dibney uh we're talking about uh catco got a great little uh little shout in there and then you know i had to talk about this and you know that even if the poll was a resounding no on twitter you knew i would have to talk about this because the first episode's villain is captain boomerang oh my god captain boomerang is here it's the owen mercer version which is i think we can all agree the lesser version but a Captain Boomerang, no less. A Boomerang Captain by any other name still throws the boomerangs just as hard. And it was just great. And I'm glad that they didn't kill him or get him arrested in the first episode. We are going to be getting more Captain Boomerang, which is the best news that you could possibly hear. Uh, but overall, really fun, light uh, in reintroduction to the characters and the setting of the Flash as we get ready for the final run. Uh, I had a ton of fun with this. Um, it's really interesting when you look at the supporting cast. You know, we've got Chester P. Runk, uh, Allegra, the two of them doing their will they won't they thing, which I'm sure is going to get resolved by the end of the season. Uh, and then we get the. After the solution of the time loop, we get a couple big revelations. First off, Joe wants to leave Central City and retire. Uh, he and Cecil are still holding strong. Uh, Cecil. Cecile. And Cecile has now evolved her powers from just telepathy into telepathy and telekinesis. She's rocking that Jean Grey character arc. Uh, maybe we'll get a Phoenix-style you know, plot arc for her. That should be interesting. But I really enjoyed the... The idea that we don't know what we this is obviously this is the final curtain call for everybody. So I'm curious to see if Joe and Cecile have a happy ending or not. Uh, we also got the the resolution to the cliffhanger from the end of last season where Caitlin jumped into this machine to try and bring back Frost. And now there is neither of them. They are neither Caitlin nor uh, nor Killer Frost. They are, I think this is listing her right now as Crystal Frost, which is hilarious. And I do, 
we have to talk about it. The highlights, the hair extensions, the blue little highlights are, they just, they're not a great idea. They should have just gone all in on the blue hair, put her in a wig. I don't care if it would have looked bad. It would have looked better than this. Um, I just, I hope they do something. I hope they fix it. It's just, it's not great as it is. But I am interested to figure out more about this Crystal Frost character, how this character is going to evolve over the course of the season. And then we saw that with uh, Captain Boomerang getting away, that he serves a master that we have not seen yet in this series. We heard him referenced once, I believe, either last season or the season before. But the big bad of the season, as we will come to know him, is Red Death. Red Death of the of Dark Knight's Metal fame. Um, I think it's genius. I'm interested to see how that because in the comics, Red Death is an amalgamation of Barry and Bruce. Uh, he's a Bat Flash essentially, and so I'm interested to see how they uh, make peace with that in a show that has never had a Batman, nor have we had like an actual Bruce Wayne in the Arrowverse, at least not. On screen, we had Thomas Elliot, Hush and Batwoman. That's not that doesn't count. But I am very curious about this because it very clearly showed the original Red Death emblem, which is the lightning bolt through the Bat emblem. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm very interested. They've got us with the uh, unknown identity of this Red Death character, which is a, a lot of fun hearkening back to the early seasons of The Flash. And uh, I'm interested. I'm really excited. We're going to see what happens with this show. Um, I am going to be sticking with it every single week for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, So I hope you enjoy going through this last season with me. It's going to be a really good time. But that is going to do it for this week's weekly review. And we are now going to roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown! This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether touch a local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you pick up your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And honestly, folks, I've been saying it from the very first issue, Gotham City Year One is that bitch gotham city year one has been a wonderful book so far and issue number five written by tom king art by phil hester colors by jordy belair um it's just it's otherworldly how good this book is right i'm just it's it's baffling to me apparently on a, uh, a recent word balloon uh tom king talked about how no one's buying gotham city year one which is baffling to me i can't fathom there being a world where a book that is this good is being ignored on comic book stands like i don't i don't understand it doesn't compute for me um it's a wonderful book it's a great book if you like gotham city world building and lore it's a great book if you like slam bradley it's a great book if you like uh detective noir crime thrillers If you like just good comics, this is a great book. It just is. In issue five, which I did not realize was the penultimate issue because there's only six issues and not 12 as I was assuming there would be, uh, it's crazy. 
it's crazy that no one's reading this because it deserves to be read and it is a wonderful book. So take some time, catch up on the previous four issues, pick up issue five and get yourself ready for issue six. I didn't mean to come that aggressive towards you, but just 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 read the book. Just read the book. But that's last week. This week, we've got eight books for you to check out. So let's go ahead and kick things off with Fantastic Four number four. I think it's really fun. We finally got here to the fourth issue. Wouldn't it be crazy if that's all this was? It was just four issues. Like, that'd be wild, right? And they're just like, all right, it's done. We're going to announce a new creative team. And it's, that's just going to be it. Uh, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. It'd be uh, kind of wild. Um, I'm surprised they haven't done something like that before. Either way, it's written by Ryan North, art by Ibon Coelho. And this is finally going to give us some answers. We're finally going to find out what happened in New York to turn everybody against the Fantastic Four. So maybe the synopsis will give us some, some teasery answers. Let's go ahead and dive into it. The Baxter Initiative. No more foreshadowing. Nice, it's four instead of four. What really happened back in New York is finally revealed. But it's still affecting matters here in the present, where Ben and Alicia's lives hang in the balance. And it'll take more than a reunion to save them. Plus, alien invaders from another galaxy. The four are finally back together. Hope they survive the experience. That's an X-Men thing. That's an X-Men thing. I wonder if that is a tease or not. But yeah, I'm interested. They've set up this mystery. So let's just, just we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And speaking of X-Men, we're going to hop right on over to Nightcrawlers number one. This is written by Simon Spurrier with art by Paco Medina. And this is uh, part of the Sins of Sinister event where uh, some creepy, freaky shit is going on. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis and find out what is up with the Nightcrawlers. Sinister's Private Assassins. Ten years into a twisted future, Mr. Sinister... Uh, ten years? Ten years into a twisted future, Mr. Sinister unleashes his private army of assassins, the Legion of the Night. Meet Wagnerine. Wagnerine. That's right. Wagnerine, commanding this killer crew of brainwashed hybrids, each one a genetic mix of Nightcrawler and another one of Marvel's most murderous mutants. Mysterious forces seek to break Sinister's control over these fatal fanatics, to turn them against him. But who are they, and what are their true motives? Enter Mother Righteous, and a meeting of the most powerful players in the universe. So, spoiler alert, we found out recently that Mother Righteous is another one of the Essex group. Um, I believe she is the heart symbol, uh, where the normal sinister that we know is the diamond, we have the ace, we have the clubs. Uh, it's, it's interesting, and I'm surprised that we're jumping this far ahead already, but... I've got to assume that there's going to be some time travel shenanigans to wipe the slate clean here. We'll just have to see. And speaking of uh, looking into the future, next up we have Batman Beyond the White Knight number 8, written and illustrated by Sean Gordon Murphy, and also art, color, all of that stuff by Dave Stewart. Um, this book's been really good. This book's been really good. I've really enjoyed the White Knight's 
reflavoring of the Batman Beyond story. I think it's given it a lot of depth and a lot of uh, recontextualization that wasn't there in the original text. Um, and I really do enjoy the fact that the White Knight Iverse is kind of this amalgamation of everything. Everything that is has been or will be Batman. So I've been really enjoying it. They also released a very spoilery, I feel, cover. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but if you want to go look at the alternate covers, it is there. Uh, let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis because I'm curious as to what they, uh, what they got in store for this. Book 8. It all ends here. With the future of Gotham City at stake, Bruce Wayne leads an attack on the Wayne Powers building to take down Blight and his minions once and for all. And with the new Batman, the Robins, the GCPD's Barbara Gordon at his side, anything seems possible. But not all endings will be happy. Bruce is still an escaped felon, and the FBI is hot on his tail. Could this be the end of Batman? Not if the mysterious Agent Prince has anything to say about it. Yeah, I don't know, uh, to Prince, Diana Prince, maybe? We'll see. Uh, I'm really, really excited. I can't wait to pick up this, uh, this issue and maybe see if the White Knight story ends here. Next up, we have Spider-Man, number five. This is written by Dan Slott with art by Mark Bagley. This is continuing the end of the Spider-Verse, uh, arc story. I'm still very unsure as to whether this is an ongoing or, a limited series. And I don't think I've gotten any clues or there's been any efforts put towards trying to solve that mystery. But either way, I'm enjoying the ride as it is. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. End of the Spider-Verse, Part 5. It's a Spectacular Life. The end of the Spider-Verse continues. See a new side of Peter Parker and the spider mythos. Shothra and her forces work towards the extinction of Arachnida Sapiens. Plus, this issue features a special superheroic backup story featuring Spider-Man and Photon celebrating Black History Month. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's really awesome. And more Monica Rambeau, the better, I say. So this is, looks like it's going to be a great issue. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Danger Street, number three. This is written by Tom King with art by Jorge Fornes. I've been singing the praises of uh, Tom King from his work over on Gotham City. But right, I mean, who but Tom King has Gotham City Year One Human Target, and Danger Street going on at the exact same time. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, I am very excited. I've been enjoying Danger Street so far. I'm still not sure what the end game of this is supposed to be, which sounds like a typical Tom King joint to me. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis and maybe get some answers. Chapter 3, Metamorpho. The repercussions of Atlas the Great's death play out worlds away as two old enemies become allies in the fight to save the multiverse. Meanwhile, Lady Cop continues her search for Good Looks' killer, the disgraced hero Starman. Little does she know the fugitive is on his way to the City of Angels to make a deal with the devil. Will his sacrifice be enough to set things right? I love the scope of this. I love the highlighting of smaller more unknown dc comics characters this book is an all-around win for me for sure 
Next up, we have X-Men number 19. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli, reuniting the team once again. I've been waiting for Stefano Caselli to come back to the book, and I'm very excited to see him back here. And it looks like we are kicking off a brand new event because the X-Men can't get away from events for even one issue. Um, this time, it looks like they're going to be teaming up with Captain Marvel, which is really fun. And of course, Captain Marvel means space stuff, and space stuff plus X-Men equals the Brood. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Lord of the Brood, Part 1. When the X-Men get a distress call from deep space, they find that the galaxy's brood problem is not as solved as they'd thought. Rogue brood factions have been have begun running wild, as seen in Captain Marvel right now. And it's up to the X-Men to get to the bottom of why. Yeah, so it looks like this might serve as the end of year two for uh, Duggan's X-Men. This might take us all the way through up to where the uh, where we get the Hellfire Gala for this year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. This might be the end of the road for this current roster of X-Men. And uh, we'll just have to see what is in store for them. Next up, we have Lazarus Planet, Dark Fate number one. This is written by Tim Seeley, Joshua Williamson, Dennis Culver, A.L. Kaplan, and Alyssa Wong. Love seeing Alyssa Wong name here with art by Baldemar Rivas, Ivan Placencia, Chris Burnham, Haining, and I am really enjoying Lazarus Planet. I didn't know if I was going to, but honestly, the not just the main parts of Lazarus Planet, but also the tie-ins, which I feel like are almost as lengthy at this point as the main stuff, have been really good. They've been really good giving us essentially anthology stories of everyone dealing with the Lazarus rain and the volcanoes and all that stuff. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm excited to see what is in store for us in this tie-in. Let's go ahead and dive into this. Whisper of the Moth. New threats will rise. When the Lazarus storm touches down, people from every walk of life stand to be affected. People who are kind, people who are good, and people who are evil. This epic issue will spotlight the many disastrous new villains created by the Lazarus event and the heroes who stand ready to stop them from doing harm to others. What sinister threat brings a new chapter to the Doom Patrol saga? Can a new hero channel the inexorable still force energy to fend off evil? What lurks in the corners of the spirit world for new character Xanthi? And what early clue to the new direction in Arkham Tower will spell disaster for Gotham City? That's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. I'm very excited. Cannot wait to pick this up. But the big book of the week, the book I should absolutely be picking up appropriately, is Wasp number two. This is written by Al Ewing with Arpe Cassia. Oh, man. Uh, Nymitsik. I know I pronounced that incorrectly, and I I deeply apologize. But it's Ant-Man and the Wasp week. So Ant-Man and the Wasp, as you are listening to this, as I am recording this, is coming out this Friday. And of course, with company synergy involved, we're getting a new issue of the Wasp. This, as I did find out, I did the research. I know I was unclear when I dropped the episode last week for Ant-Man Antniversary. Also, a uh, real quick shout out to... Um, None of my friends like comics podcast who also cover the Ant-Man anniversary slash anniversary slash it should just be called Ant-Man forever uh, and crushed it. 
knock that episode out of the park. So uh, I really uh, go check that out if you want to uh, get more of the Ant-Man special. 60th anniversary special. Uh, but I did find out that this Wasp is also going to be a four-issue miniseries, which I'm very excited about, highlighting both Wasps. And if the cover of the fourth issue is to be any indicator, all of the different eras of the Wasp. So I'm very excited. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. When Whirlwind fails to identify the person who forced the attack on the Wasps, Janet and Nadia Van Dyne must combine their skills to locate their new foe. But something about this case seems unnervingly familiar to Jan. Can she figure out what it is in time to save their lives? Yeah, I love it. I'm very excited. Love the first issue. Can't wait to pick the second one up. This is going to be a great time. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Fantastic Four number four, Nightcrawlers number one, Batman Beyond the White Knight number eight, Spider-Man number five, Danger Street number three, X-Men number 19, Lazarus Planet Dark Fate number one, and Wasp number two. It's the week of love. It's the week of Valentine's Day. So make sure you let your Valentine know how much you love them by getting them some great comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally anything you would like. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit. And you'll be able to join the likes of our Fantastic Four team. Thanks, Dad. Including Seafire ND, Joshua Panstel Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A Lock and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, and Ken 4656. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news and maybe talk about those Super Bowl trailers, feel free to follow us at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's at GeeksplainedPod. For as long as Twitter is around, we're going to be trying to get more active on Instagram since that seems more stable for whatever that means in this wild, wacky world of social media. But if you want to follow up with us, that would be the place to do it. Also, every single Friday is our Geeksplained Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow Cape Crusaders, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Grant Morrison's Batman. We kicked things off last week proper with Batman and Son Part 1, and this week we are tackling Batman and Son Part 2, which is going to be issues 663 through 666. That's right, it's the devil's number. We're going to be 
talking about fake Batman, future Batman, and everything in between. So make sure you tune in for that this Friday. Gotham Fridays are a thing, so make sure you be there or be square, not a circle. Also wanted to say a huge thank you to my partner in crime, my partner in life, my beautiful fiance, Sammy, for coming on the show. She was a little nervous about coming on because she's she's not a huge fan of just talking about stuff to strangers but uh we had a great time we had a really fun conversation i hope it was fun for you to listen to as well i love that girl with my whole heart and this being our valentine's day episode as well as our anniversary i just wanted to share something that i love with the person that i loved so hope you enjoyed the episode hope you enjoyed the two of us getting to talk about wednesday and uh again thank you to my love also real quick want to give a big shout out to Zach McCrary, who runs the Comics That We Love podcast, who was very gracious in inviting me to be on his show this week. Go subscribe to his stuff. Zach is a wonderful podcast host with a wealth of knowledge. And this week on his podcast, we sat down and talked Dark Web. You know how much of a basic bitch I am for Ben Riley, And so we got to talk about the entire Dark Web event and really just got to gush about how good Ben Riley is and how much we want better for him. <laughs> it was a really great conversation. So head on over to the Comics That We Love podcast. Give him a subscribe. Give him five stars. Listen to the episode and check right back here because next week we're going to have him on the podcast to talk more Ben Riley. <laughs> so this week on his podcast, we're basically doing like a, a two-part crossover where we're talking about Dark Web next week. He's going to jump. He's going to make the multiversal jump over to the Geek Explained podcast, and we're going to be talking about everything leading up to it. We're going to be talking about the curious case of Ben Riley, going through his comic book history, talking about the things we like, the things we dreaded, and just how much Ben Riley is truly the Charlie Brown of comics. So tune in for that next week, same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I've been Eric Kazana. Thank you very much for listening. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope you had a lovely Valentine's Day and spent it with the people that you care about the most. I will see you right back here next week. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and we will... See you next time.